Let's, uh, let's give God some praise and thanks to Justin for reading the scriptures this morning. Justin Einerson, doesn't he have a great voice? He has a great voice, man. Um, well, good morning. Good to see all of you guys here uh, this morning. My name's Josh, and if you're with us for the first time, I uh, just wanted to say thank you for being here. Um, awesome to have you guys here this morning, and um, welcome. So as we get going, you know, um, I just wanted to say this to everybody, like, if, if, if you need to get involved um, at Living Waters, we, we want to just say yes and amen to that, okay? We want to encourage you to take the next step. Um, if you're visiting with us for the first time or the hundredth time or somewhere in between, like we have small groups that you can get involved with, discipleship groups. Maybe you just need a Bible study. Maybe you need something that just connects to some questions that you're having about Christianity, um, wherever you're at in the process, would you please let us know? That would be great. And uh, God would be really pleased, I think, if we could help you, um, ser- serve you, and help you get to that next stage of where you need to be with your walk with Jesus. And for some of you, you may not have a walk with Jesus yet, and yet this whole gospel thing's a little new to you, and we would love to just help you take that next step. So, uh, this morning I woke up at 4.40 in the morning, and it was a snowstorm, y'all. And I woke up, as Chris said, I woke up saying, oh, no, are you serious? Uh, I had to check my heart with Jesus and, you know, early. And I knew Andy Biddle was going to wake up saying, yeah, <laughs> glory to God and all that. And yeah, yeah, I, I didn't think that. I had other thoughts. Hopefully next week uh, we have our fall festival uh, event. So if you haven't got one of these cards, you'll probably get one on your way out. Uh, hopefully we're, we're going to have better weather next week, but fall festivals will be a great time out at Robin Holly Pearson's house. Hopefully you can join us. should be a great time of uh, cider and chili and bags tournaments and hay rack rides and all that stuff. So we hope you guys can all join us. That'll be great. And then the third thing I wanted to say before I prayed and we got into the word was Tuesday, I had the privilege and the honor of writing uh, my signature on a phase one renovation contract for our building. Yes, so (laughs) praise Jesus. And that is going to release $137,000 out of our bank account into that building. So that's that's a huge praise, and we are on our way, church. We're on our way. Praise the Lord. We thank God for the theater. Uh... You know, but we, we would rather be in our own building. So I think that's the, the truth of it. We're going to trust God uh, for what he has for us. So Hebrews chapter 10. Here we go. Let's pray and then dig into the word. Father, thank you for your amazing grace. Lord, you are so gracious to give us this opportunity this morning to give us life and breath, the ability to hear your word, respond to you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, in whatever ways you're working on us, God, that's a privilege. That's an honor. And Lord, I pray that every person, whether they're walking through trials and tribulations, or whether they are on the mountaintop of of growth and joy, or somewhere in between that, God, may you speak to every heart through the power of your word. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So uh, as I run, I was running yesterday, as I run, jog, um, I, have a, I have a playlist, right? And like many of you, I have a playlist for when I work out. And 
on, on one of my playlists is uh, a song by the great prophet Journey. Okay? And the song comes on, and y'all know this song because it's, it's spread far and wide all over our great country. Um, just a small town girl, right? Living in a lonely what class? World, World right? She took a midnight train going where? Nowhere. <laughs> going anywhere. And then, just a city boy, born and raised in South Des Moines. Des Moines. Okay, that's close. <laughs> born and raised in South Des Moines. They should change the, that's good, I like that one. Uh, yeah, born and raised in South Detroit. He took a midnight train going anywhere, right? And we all know that song and the beat, you know, and you can run to the beat. It's a, it's a good beat. And the crescendo of the song is, don't stop what? Believing, Believe right? Now, now, I think if Hebrews 10, 32 through 39 could be summarized, I think that's what it would be summarized as. Don't stop believing. Not in the way Journey meant it, but in the way Jesus meant it. Amen? Because stopping believing um, is a challenge. Because so, sometimes we just want to quit, don't we? Sometimes in life, the Christian life um, is hard. You know what I'm saying? It's hard. And you want to quit. Or you at least want to think about quitting. You may never say it out loud, but inside you feel like, I just don't know if I can keep doing this. And this passage comes in and speaks to us, and it says in verse 35, Don't throw away your confidence. For it has great reward. And then in verse 38, it says, The righteous shall live by faith. And we shouldn't shrink back at what God's taken us through. We should stand by faith. Now, let's just, let's just talk about our lives, right? If this passage is telling us to not quit believing, like we got to keep on believing, we got to keep on believing in Jesus, we got to keep on going, right? Um, we just have to acknowledge right away that there are times in which we want to quit. We want to quit certain things. We want to quit certain I ideas and habits and stuff that's going on in our lives. We want to quit sometimes, right? Like last night, like after losing my 300th consecutive game of bags to Brian White, I wanted to quit last night. <laughs> right? And, and I just, I, I look at Brian and I, I, he's like the Michael Jordan of bags. He doesn't lose at bags ever. And I'm just like, I'm Scottie Pippen. That's what I am. I'm Scottie Pippen of bags. But I want to quit, but I can't quit. And, and so many times in life, we get to that middle, that middle range of things, and we want to just kind of quit. Because at the beginning, it's really fun, and it's really exciting. Runners experience this. If you're running a race, you, at the beginning of the race, it's really exciting because the gun goes off and, and there's just this huge hoopla over the start of the race. It's the middle of the race that's the hardest. Because the end of the race, you got the finish line and you're like running and everybody's cheering and there's a finish line and you can see it and, you're, and your adrenaline kicks back in. It's the middle of the race that is the hardest part. And if I could argue with you this morning, I would say it's the middle part of your Christian life that is the most difficult. Where you have to hear the words of Journey and Jesus to don't stop believing. you got to keep persevering 
in your faith. But how do you do that? How do you, how do you persevere when things are really hard, when, when it's kind of doldrum and it's Tuesday morning or it's Thursday morning and, and, and you got to get things done in your life? How do you keep persevering in faith? Well, you don't throw away your confidence. Now, the Hebrew Christians who are receiving this letter, they're, they're in a very similar boat as many of you. They wanted to go back. They were being tempted to go back to Judaism because Judaism was what they knew. It was like the warm blanket that they really liked to, to hang with and just cuddle themselves with. They could always go back to Judaism because they had left Judaism to follow Jesus. And now all of a sudden, the, the initial part of their salvation was over. And now they're just going through the hard times, the doldrums of their Christian faith. And they're wondering, should we kind of leave Jesus? Because this is getting really hard. And the author of Hebrews is exhorting them, just like I'm exhorting you this morning, don't give up your confidence in Christ. Keep walking by faith. And I think some of you need to hear that this morning. Some of you need to hear, keep going. Some of you need to hear, don't give up. Keep on believing in the Jesus that saved you from your sins. Now, to walk by faith... Is um, it means to live in strong, confident conviction of who God is and what he says. So like when you see in verse 38, the righteous one shall live by faith, it, that, that word faith means to walk in strong confidence in who God is. And that means that we, if we're walking by faith, it, it's a really essential thing. Our world needs more people to walk by faith, right? I mean, come on, we live in this super hyper-negative world, very secular age. Everybody is ripping each other apart on social media. It's negative, 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 negative. We need some faith walkers, amen? amen? Come on now, church. We need faith walkers, people who believe in Christ and are willing to live for it, willing to die for it, and most of all, willing to not quit on it. Amen. So, Jesus said in Luke 18, verse 8, when the Son of Man returns, whoops, almost got that. Um, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? The second coming of Jesus. What's Jesus' main question about that? Will he find faith on the earth? We need more people walking by faith these days, and we see faith dwindling in our secularized age, and in the midst of that, it calls us not to pull back, right? Shrink back. Because you see that word in verse 38, if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. The word shrink back means to retreat quietly. Right? We can't retreat quietly into the background here as our world becomes more and more godless. We as Christians need to step up and continue to walk by faith. Now, that is difficult, but it is doable. And to retreat quietly is not an option for a Christian. Like, listen. Here's the word at work in your, wor in your life. You retreated quietly into your theater seat this morning. You did. Can I get an amen? Yeah? All right, because you come into this theater. It's nice and dark. You come sit in your seat, and you just kind of slide into your seat, you know? Get your popcorn out. You're getting ready. Church is good. Why? Because you're not here. You're there. You just get to sit and hang and listen to the word and relax, and that's good. That's the word retreat here. That's the idea of what we can't do with our faith. If we're going to persevere and keep on believing in Jesus, we need to not retreat but to stand firm in our faith. So the idea this morning in this text 
is that believers don't stop believing. I think we'll put it up on the screen for you here. All right? Believers don't stop believing. Thanks, Journey, for the idea. And instead, retreating, instead of retreating, they stand firm in their faith in the face of trials and tribulations. But you might be asking, how? How do I do that? How in the world do I keep walking by faith this morning in the promises of God and not shrink back from Jesus? How do I do that? Well, I think the text is going to give us two ways um, to not uh, shrink back, but to keep on believing. Two ways to keep on going in your faith. And I hope this is an encouragement to you. And hopefully for some of you, this is a practical application for you this week. Okay, So way number one. The way number one of how we keep on believing is that we keep on believing in the early days, okay? Or we don't stop believing in the early days. Now let's look at verse 32 through 34. But recall the former days when you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison And you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. So so the first encouragement from the author of Hebrews is is I, I want you to not stop believing. Keep the faith by looking back to your early days. The word recall means to remember or meditate on or think about in your mind the early days of your Christianity. Okay, the former days refers to when they were first saved. So, so the he- author of Hebrews is saying, hey, go back to when you first got saved. Go back to when you first became a Christian. Remember that time. Okay, remember that time. You were enlightened. Okay, well, what does that mean? The word enlightened there means to be lit up, all right, to, to be illuminated. Remember that time when you were illuminated, which is also called salvation. Okay, remember that time. It's important, if you're going to keep on believing today, remember that you used to be in darkness, now you are walking in light. Okay, so salvation is a metaphor or a word picture of going from darkness to light. And how many of you have gone from darkness to light today? Yeah, all of us, right? Like hopefully all of us here have gone from darkness to light through the grace of Christ. Now, the, the metaphor holds true Well, in Acts 26, 18. Talks about going from darkness to light as salvation. And then also, if we could throw up 2 Corinthians 4 6, it says this. It says, For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. If you're going to make it, if you're going to keep persevering in faith, you have to remember that you were darkness and now you're light. Praise Jesus. You also have to remember that the early days were hard, full of struggle and sufferings, right? The Hebrew Christians, after they got saved, they had to go through struggle. They had to go through sufferings. Verse 33 says that they were publicly exposed to reproach and affliction. That's not super warm and cuddly, is it? If you're looking at those words, reproach, reproach means to be put out on stage. Remember when you first got saved? It's exciting. Darkness to light. Also, suffering and persecution. Also, reproach. Reproach is is to be put out on stage. And literally, it's where we get our word theater. Okay? And it's ironic because I'm preaching in a theater. 
right? And, and the idea is not like an American theater. The idea is like a Roman amphitheater. These believers were pulled out in public and they were put on stage and they were made fun of and mocked because they were Christians. They were believers in Jesus and they were put out on stage and it says they were, they were reproached and they were afflicted. And the word afflicted means to be pressed together. So they not only got public humiliation, but they got pressed in on during their public humiliation for being a Christ follower. So look, when you become a Christian, life doesn't get easier sometimes. It gets harder. Amen? Amen. True? So it gets harder. Like you get squeezed. You get publicly reproached in ways that you never did before you came to Christ. But in order to make it through today, you have to remember back then how God gave you grace to suffer. Also, the early days were not only filled with intensity and, and reproach, but they were also filled with a surprising love and a surprising joy. Amen. That's good news. Okay, look at this in verse 34. You had compassion on those in prison. The Hebrew Christians, when they first came to Christ, they had a surprise. And the surprise was compassion. It was love. Because as they were following Christ, other believers were also following Christ and being put in prison. And they had compassion on those individuals and said, hey, I'm with you. They showed up to the prisons and they said, I'm not ashamed of you. You're my brother in Christ. You're my sister in Christ. And I'm here for you in your imprisonment. That is a loving thing. Now, do you think that prisons need to be continually visited in 2020 by Christians? Can I get an amen for that? How many people are coming to Christ in prison right now in Polk County Jail or in other places who need believers to come and encourage them? Amen? You should pray for Jerry Van Cleve. He's our, he's our chaplain at the Polk County Jail. Well, he needs our prayers because you know what he's doing? He's doing a, a really good Christian work. It's a work of compassion and love. And we as Christians should not feel like, oh, that's, I'm distanced from that. No, we need to be in that as far as prayer partners and visitors of those individuals. It's still a need today. How about joy? There's a surprising level of compassion and also joy. You joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Say what? Love and now joy. Joy is in the hearts of these Christians in such a way that they they are joyfully accepting the plundering of their property. That's weird. They're joyfully accepting getting robbed. People are coming into their home because they're Christians and they are taking their TV and their couch and their dining room and the believers are like, amen, amen, take it out. That's strange. Right? That's weird. Listen, I I was at a men's event last night at our church and we have, number one, we have like a small militia in our church. I don't know if you knew that. That's the first thing. <laughs> like, there were so many guns. I'm like, I'm not scared of World War III when it breaks out. We're fine. I'm going to Dave Newhouse's house. That's where I'm going. 
I'll tell you that right now. But, but like, look, like, there were so many guns. There's so many. It was so fun. First of all, nobody died. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. But look, it was so fun. I was like, I, I was like, this is awesome. I, I didn't realize the amount of firepower in our church. Now, one of the guys showed me his gun, and it had like this cool little attachment on the bottom of his gun. And I'm like, dude, what's that about? That, that looks amazing. He's like, well, I want you to shoot it, Pastor. I want you to shoot this gun. I got no problem shooting your gun. It's fine. What's the thing for? He's like, that's like a flashlight. I'm like, there's a flashlight underneath the, like that part? Like, what is, what is the flashlight doing there? And he's like, it's to turn on when there's an intruder in the house. So that way you can turn your flashlight on and see who you're shooting before you shoot one of your family members or something. I'm like, yeah, that's, that, that's, it's, it's valuable to have that. And so, so he's showing me this gun. And I'm just, I just had this thought because I knew I was going to preach on this the next day. I'm like, I just have a hard time seeing a scenario in our church where, where there's an intruder in our, one of our families or one of our homes and, and the believer uh, just saying, you know what, have at it. Have my television. Have my couch. Have, I mean, after all the guns I saw yesterday, there's nobody doing that. <laughs> There's nobody said, hey, joyfully, I'm joyfully accepting the plundering of my house. Um, I, don't, I don't think so. So I say all that to say, how in the world does a, does a believer, because they're a Christian, have someone come into their home and take all their stuff, and that believer joyfully accept it? How does that even happen? The answer is in the text. The answer is faith. It says you joyfully accepted it since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. These believers knew that they had heaven. And because they had heaven, you can have all my stuff because I know Jesus is creating and he's building and he's he's setting aside a dwelling place for me how real does heaven have to be to you for you to allow the joyful plundering of your house well hebrews 13 verses 14 through 16 is a challenging verse for us because it says here we have no lasting city but we are seeking the city which is to come, New Jerusalem. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 is also a challenge to us because it says, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For us as materialistic, modern, secular Americans, it's hard for us to have a vision of heaven that is that big, that real, that we would just say, I'm setting my mind on things above. And I agree with Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 which I think we can put this on the slide. It says, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and you utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. Why? For your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So church, don't stop believing in your early days. Y'all remember when you got saved? Y'all remember the joy you had? Y'all remember the, 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 just the activity that God brought into your life? And some of it was awesome. Some of it was dangerous. But it was all amazing because you knew Christ as your Savior. 
Never forget those early days. Because it's the early days that fuel this day right now. You want to get through a dreary, snowy October day in Iowa? Remember your early days, where Christ brought you from. And that'll help you today. Don't stop believing in your early days. Two ways God empowers us to keep on believing. One is to, to keep on believing in your early days. And two is to not stop believing in your future days. Or to say it positively, keep on believing in your future days. Verse 35 through 38. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised for yet a little while, and the coming one will come without delay. To keep on believing, to, to, to make it through today, not only do you have to look back, at what God did in your early days, but you have to look forward what God is going to do in your future days. Um, don't throw away your confidence is the power of Scripture, the command of Scripture. Why? Because it has great reward. There is a great reward for believers. Great reward. Bigger than you can imagine. Bigger than you could ever believe. It's the reward of eternity. It's the reward of Jesus. It's the reward of heaven. That is what is coming for every person who believes in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? It's coming. Now, you're like, well, what, how does that work out? Here's how it works out. Um, our whole lives are built on this reality, right? Our whole lives are built on this idea of reward. Uh, we have a false vision of church sometimes because our church and our Christianity can kind of fall into the doldrums of, of, of obedience and duty. And sometimes we approach our Christian life like if I do the duty, if I, if, I, if I obey, if I don't get any pleasure out of this, there's no reward in this for me. I'm just serving because I'm supposed to serve. I'm just here because I'm supposed to be here. I, I'm telling you right now as a pastor, I don't, want, I don't want members like that. I want members who, who see the bigger picture. I don't want you here just because you think you're supposed to be here. I want you here because you see the reward coming in the future and you want it. Here's the, here's the illustrations. right? Looking to the future empowers our present circumstances all the time. When we have hope for the future, it empowers our present. Um, there's future reward for purchasing a car in the life of a teenager. Right? If a teenager is working and they want to buy a car, it's the vision of that car that keeps them working. Can I get a teenage amen? Yeah, I didn't think so. All right. <laughs> Teenagers don't do amens. But if a teenager really wants a car bad enough, they're going to work. And they're going to do the present difficulty so they can have the future reward. Um. A future reward of a championship trophy, a championship t-shirt, a championship banner is what fuels an athlete to stay disciplined and focused during practice. Okay, It's the promise of the future reward called Christmas morning that fuels for kids good, good obedience, right? 
if the kids really want Christmas morning to be fun, they're going to obey and they do be good. Mom and dad, aren't I good? Aren't I doing good? So they can get the, you know, the, the presents they want, right? But it's, it's, it's that hope of Christmas morning that pulls all of us through the holidays, the hard days of holidays. Because we want Christmas morning. Bigger than all the rewards of, of earth is the reward of Christ. Jesus is coming. Verse 37, it says, Yet for a little while, the coming one will come and he won't delay. Christian, you want to know what the reward is of your Christian life? It's the return of Christ. When you see him face to face, every single sacrifice will be worth it at that moment. You're going to see Jesus face to face like this. And that is the reward of your Christian life. Not seeing grandma and grandpa in heaven, though that's awesome. Not having heaven and a mansion in heaven and all that. That's cool. The greatest reward of heaven is Jesus. He's the reason we're going to heaven. And he's the center point of heaven. He's the reward of heaven. And if he's that to you, then you're a Christian. So the coming one will come. John 14, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And I will come again and take you to myself. In 1 Thessalonians 4.16, it says, The Lord himself will descend to this earth. And in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. The inheritance that is waiting for us is heavenly. It's imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. You know what fades? You know what fades? Your car fades. Your house fades. Can I get a homeowner's? Uh. Your house fades real quick. My neighbor had to cut down his tree yesterday. And the tree company thought the only place that they could put the tree limbs and put all the stuff was on my yard. So that was joyful news. To watch, like, it seemed like 600 guys trample over my backyard with all their wood and the brush and the stuff and all the things. And I'm just like, my yard! And then my wife's like, it's not that good anyway. I'm like, you're right, it's not. It's not. It's not. But look, if you own a house, all you got to do is repair it and keep it up all the time. And it's, it's, it's a perishable inheritance. You know what I'm saying? Like your bank account is a perishable inheritance. If you're hoping for material possessions in this life, it will fade and it will perish and it will absolutely not last. But Christ's return is real. And it is full of imperishable quality. And it is never going to fade. Can you imagine you're never going to get older in heaven? Can I get an amen? You're never going to age in heaven. You're going to have an imperishable body. Praise God. And you're going to hang out with other believers, men and women, who are imperishable, unfading. We're going to see everybody in glory. 
whatever that looks like, I believe it to be, you know, some sort of, you, you know, t- early 20s. That's what I believe. Probably something like that. Right? Everybody's going to be in their early 20s. It's going to be awesome. We're going to see each other, love each other, and that is going to be the whole point of heaven is worshiping Christ in that state. Believer, that's what we're living for. That's the future hope we have. That's what gets you through today. You look back and you say, Jesus has been faithful to me. He saved me. He's done all these things in my life. He allowed me to do all these things. And I look forward to the future and I say, he will be faithful and Christ is coming and that gets me through this day. Um, one more verse and then we'll close. 1 Peter 1.13, this is from my devotions yesterday. It says, therefore preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We are, as believers, supposed to set our hope fully on that grace that's going to be coming. John Piper calls it future grace. And he says we should be hoping in this. And here's what Piper says. He says, when I say future grace, I don't merely mean the grace of heaven and the age to come. I mean the grace that begins now this very second, and sustains your life to the end. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, not only is that future hope yours, but God's sustaining power in your life is right here, right now. You guys, Jesus is coming soon. And I hope you can't wait to to meet him. I can't wait to meet him. I can't wait to see him, talk to him. But more so than that, even right on that same level, right in that same thread of conversation is the empowering grace I feel right now. Which means if God is bringing you to it, he's going to bring you through it. He's going to give you that ability to keep on believing. And you don't need a journey song to empower you through your life. This is a much better song in Hebrews 10. Say, if you want to make it through today, keep on believing in those early days and what God's done. And keep on looking forward to the future of what God will do through Christ. And let's rest in that grace today. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, what an incredible word for us this morning. Lord, Lord, help us to remember those early days. God, for some Christians in this house, Lord, they've been saved a long time ago. And God, I pray that you would give them fresh memories of the miracle of their salvation right now. Lord, I pray that you would bless older saints with a joyful remembrance of your amazing grace. To pull them from darkness to light. Lord, may every Christian listening to my voice. May every Christian never get over the miracle of salvation. And Lord, you've been faithful to us. Then you are faithful to us now. And Lord, may you give believers a vision of the future. That Jesus, you will come and you won't delay. And Lord, our home is in heaven if we know Christ as Savior. Lord, would you empower and encourage every Christian hearing my voice right now that they can get through this day. 
because their future hope is set. Lord, I know many people are struggling with depression, anxiety, worry, fear, cancer, major health challenges, major health problems, unbelieving family, Lord, marriage problems, difficulties there. Lord, we know that this life is full of challenge, full of sin. But God, your grace is more. And I pray that you would encourage every believer to look to the future days. And Lord, get us through this day by your grace. Lord, if there's anybody here that does not yet know Jesus personally, has never repented, not saved, doesn't know what that is, Lord, would you please work in their hearts right now. Stir inside them. Help them see that they are a sinner in need of salvation. And Lord, may this day be the day that they put their faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to respond to you by your Spirit. Help us to sing and pray and praise and all those things for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.